Welcome to Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Oh, hi, Stephen. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste. Yeah. Um, well, Happy New Year also. Happy. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. It's Happy New Year on the one calendar, but it's also Happy New Year on the Chinese calendar, right? Coming up or? It, coming up, yes. I think, I, well, I, I'm not. My grandmother would be so disappointed. I'm not entirely sure exactly. I'm pretty sure I saw a flash go by that was January 29th. Okay. But, but I will definitely uh, do have to do a Google. It's the, it's the year of the rabbit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are, are you in a are year of the rabbit? No. Okay. I'm, yeah. a, I'm complicated because most people who were born in 1992 were monkeys, but my it was a very late Lunar New Year that year, and my birthday's February 2nd. And so I was born in the year of the ram right before the turn of the monkey. Uh-huh. So I'm a ram. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm I'm a monkey myself. Whoa. From, from many spins of the lunar calendar earlier. Yeah, that's awesome. My sister is the auspicious dragon. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. The auspicious dragon. Um, so we're coming up on on another new year, but the Chinese New Year has. Uh, maybe I'm asking the wrong person, so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want your grandmother to get upset with us. <laughs> I'm really not an expert yeah. so, <laughs> at all. Um, so let's we'll stick with the other New Year. Okay. That we know more about. <laughs> um, but right before we got on, I was I was mentioning the sankalpa, which is something that we do at Ishta, where we create a um, create. It's the wrong word. Where we look to understand what is the the driving intention built into our karma that we could focus on this year. That focusing on that aspect of our karma would be useful. So um, I got to do a little bit of that with Sarah in her meditation class today. Oh, nice. So that was nice. But um, I did not do the long format version that um, Al and Sarah and Mona did over the weekend, which is always fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, um, I know that you and I both have intentions around yoga and and things that we look to through our yoga practice in living. So I thought we could talk a little bit about that today. Just, uh, I love that idea. Yeah, cool. Um, and I think it's useful, uh, just like out of, out of the gate, in case, you know, I, I always feel like I'm preaching to the choir on, on this podcast, because um, there are a lot of, uh, Ishta yogis, and we have a sort of baseline of um, appreciation of yoga in all of the eight limbs of yoga that culminates in meditation. And then not only that, but then has 
the effects of that meditation out in living. But for anybody who's you know, not really familiar with that aspect of yoga, you know, yoga is much, much more than just doing asana practice, doing postures and um, doing a physical workout kind of practice. And I think that many people get started in yoga that way. You know, that's a really typical way to learn what something about yoga that kind of grabs you and keeps you there, keeps you wanting more. And then the more you study, the more you realize that that's an important part, but the rest of it is influential in living. And that's where it's really helpful. You know, I mean, it's of course helpful to be healthy and to understand your body and whatnot, but the... Um, learning how to meditate, learning how to uh, take what you get in meditation and bring it out into life really transforms you in a way that helps you tune into your purpose, your karma, and then helps that more gracefully move through living. That was beautifully said. <laughs> oh, thank you. And um, and then another kind of question on behalf of the listeners, I guess, would be, what is sankalpa? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's an intention or a vow. Sometimes it gets translated as a desire, like something that's in your way, because it's what you're doing instead of finding the whole, right? Finding oneness. So it's all of these things that we want as humans, and, you know, if you tune into it in the right way, everything that you desire, like tr a true desire, is like when you're in living, you're a piece of the karma of the universe. So if you figure out, well, what is your desire that's driving this little part of the universe, then you move toward that and you, you take it on, right? Like when Rama was born, he was supposed to be the king. <laughs> so... Anything that he did that was not toward being the king was like causing chaos in the universe. Right? So we want to we want to figure out what are we here for and do that, you know. And and we get this pull toward those things. Word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There was this lovely book. I don't know if you ever read it, but it was it was sort of. Uh, there was an author named Shakti Gawain, and she wrote a book about affirmation uh, way, way back. Like, I don't know if it was even 2000 yet, but then she wrote a book called Do What You Love, The Money Will Follow. Mm. And mm -hmm. it, it was uh, really nice advice about, you know, we get very fixed in our mind. What is that samkalpa? What is that desire? Like, I want to be an actor on Broadway, right? But right. if you allow yourself to figure out what is it, what part of that do you love, right? You might realize, well, I love this that I get from what I'm thinking about, but I don't actually like the auditioning. I don't actually like thinking I have to travel every summer. I don't have to, I don't actually, that's maybe not the form in which I'm gonna express this thing that I love. So what do I love and how can I make that a part of my life? 
right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like the samkalpa is a little around that idea. There's something in you that drives you toward the graceful expression of what you are and helps you, by doing that, get confident, comfortable, at ease enough, uh, content enough, that you also fulfill that other aspect of self, like bringing self back to wholeness. Mm. I'm so moved already. <laughs> uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a sankalpa that you've been kind of marbling around right now in this most recent moment? Well, I came up with something in my in my uh, practice this morning with Sarah when I did that, you know, since that was the explicit assignment. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so I came up with something. But it was, it's very, very generic to yogi ho yogi hood. So. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I'm tempted to ask you what it is, but I also will, can respect keeping it kind of. Yeah, I think I'll keep it in. For inside, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And when you do have a sankalpa, is there a way in which it becomes a tool or a practice as you continue down the road? Yeah, well, there, there's a very explicit practice of, you know, using it as kind of a seed that we plant. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that practice um, this week and make a recording of it that I can share on the podcast. But it's, um, you know, in essence, there's two parts. First, you have to identify it, and that involves getting quiet. And at Ishta, we think of the Sankalpa as being a heart-based um, desire, right? Mm -hmm. Something you care about in the heart as, a, as opposed to something that you like maybe care about in the second chakra, you know, in the in the loins, <laughs> you know, um, like what is your heart? What is your what calls out to your heart? And then, so once you can identify that, then you can bring it deeper into your energy system, so that it becomes something that's manifesting. Mm. Mm. That's one of the things that has always spoken to me about the Sankalpa practice, which, um, you know, I think I did for the first time probably in 2015 back at this old studio location. And it, but it's the piece of it that is the planting and the letting go. Um, I think that I'm used to or had been used to up until that point, hearing about New Year's resolutions, New Year's intentions, and them becoming projects. It feeling like a um, like we were gearing ourselves up to set up a new project, something, some goal to reach. Right. So, oh yeah, it was sort of like New Year's resolutions felt more like goals, but in the way that we practice the same culpa, there's always this other description of it being something that gets planted that um, 
sort of guides the unfolding of your life or steers certain actions of your life. Um, and it reminds me of actually, have you ever read the book, The Seed of the Soul? No. I'm reading it right now. And it's, a, and he talks, he talks about, um, talks about karma and his perspective of that. And the, and he says that, that, his perspective on the way karma works is that is this intrinsic link between cause and effect and that between the cause and effect, there's an intention and part of becoming a conscious person is realizing that these cause and effect beams that are happening, um, can be conscious or they can be unconscious yeah. and becoming yeah. conscious of them really means becoming conscious of the intention that links the two things. And that by having a conscious intention, your, your actions and therefore your effects, your causes and therefore your effects become aligned with that intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was something when I read that information in his book that really resonated with the issues and practice of like, right. I don't need to know exactly what's going to unfold as a result of this intention, but I'm becoming conscious of the fact that this is something that my heart desires mm-hmm. and allowing it to become present in my awareness inevitably will focus the unfolding of my life. <clears throat> Yeah, I like that. I think in, intention, like in that way, like it's attention at the same time. You know, it's like, what are you, what are you holding your attention on? And if it's outward focused, we, you know, we we typically call that a rajasic thing. We're looking at what are we getting, what are we mm. trying to get. Whereas if it's sattvic, it's more centered. It's mm. like, what is what and what. What am I trying to get? But rather, rather, what am I trying to be? What is this about? And that's like staying conscious, right? So then, the the what comes, it may still be the same thing, or it might be something different. But that's not the important part of it. It's the what am I doing as I take this action? Mm. And then your action is a more sattvic action, mm. right? So you can't you can't um and you know the it's funny the gita even and and the sutras especially talk about it as being like actions without seed you know you take an action it has no karma that comes from it because you're not going toward getting something right and it's that that's what creates the need for the the reverse, right? I want that. Okay, so I go after that. And so my actions to go after that create new karma that I then have to deal with. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're working from a place of whatever, I'm going to act, but whatever the outcome is, that's beyond my realm, my role. That's not my role to figure out what the outcome is. Then you're simply part of what is you're just in the flow of the universe Mm. 
I was thinking as we were getting set up for this podcast and you mentioned the visual artifact of the audio that was being recorded, that your computer was showing you the wavelength of the, um, the recording that we're making for this podcast. I was thinking about um, a video that I had just watched about, about, again, about karma. But this person reminded me of you because they described they described karma and sort of uh, reincarnation probably happening sort of like sound that that it's hard for us to wrap our heads around but there's a way in which our actions could be sattvic they could go zoom straight across but like you mentioned if there's rajas or if there's tamas if there is an amplitude to the action and we're being pulled in a certain direction as we're uh, making that action, then it's only natural. It's only part of the laws of the universe that there would be a rebound in the opposite direction. Yeah, and that that basically like Big Bang happens, boom, zoom, and, the, and it's like the computer and the sound waves are flowing, and that is the expression of life. That is what maybe what karma could look like yeah. as all of our lives are bouncing in these directions. Um. And, uh, sorry, that took us down a, way, a really wayward path. But I was just thinking about that. Yeah, as you yeah, were talking yeah. About, <clears throat> and another thing, I think another piece about this sattvic nature to the sankalpa that also has always spoken to me is that when you are sitting for meditation and you are listening for your sankalpa, it's that is the intention to be listening for it from my understanding that we are in a meditative place that is to say we are in samyama we've 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 uh, we've wound back the action of attempting to meditate and instead are trying to rest in that place of meditation so we are not constructing the sankalpa with our mind but instead we've placed ourselves into meditation and we are waiting and receiving what that sankalpa might be, like you mentioned, as a piece of where we might be in our karma um, that might feel like a desire in the heart. Um, and <clears throat> that piece of it has always spoken to me too. Of course, it's, it's a little bit mystical, like as a part of, as someone who has been a spiritual seeker for for a while it feels exciting because there's feels like magic mm -hmm. but also but also the thing that appeals to me about it is it's theoretically outside of the mind and and therefore maybe uncomplicated by be beliefs or self-limiting beliefs or um other thoughts um and i think a question that you mentioned before we got started was how how do we live our yoga and how do we how does how do these things become a part of our lived experience and i think more and more especially this year i that piece of it the samyama piece the like the idea that i don't always have all the answers I, as in the thinker, Stephen, I, as in Stephen, who is a son, who is an artist, who is a yoga teacher, who is a software engineer, 
I don't always know. <laughs> and I think that um, St. Culp is a really good reminder, that practice is a really good reminder that yoga says basically, it's okay if you don't know the answers, meditate, and we might be able to come up with something. <laughs> yeah. Um, or it's so- not even the nature to to get the answers, but simply to live, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever comes about, that's your contribution to what is. It's very, it's very odd, you know, because culturally speaking, it's so different between like the way ancient yogis grew up and what we do now, because there was just this you know, I, th- I think pretty much everywhere in the world, you were born, you were in a family, your family did stuff. And that's the stuff you did when you were born. You just kept doing whatever your family does. If you were farmers, you farmed. If you were blacksmiths, you blacksmithed. If you were merchants, you merchanted. You know, mm-hmm. if you were in an actor's family, you acted, you know, and so forth. It was, that's what we did. And now, because of the freedom that our culture has uh, won, it puts all this responsibility on us to decide what do we do. And on the one hand, you could just do anything, but that's that doesn't satisfy a certain aspect of the the of the human who won freedom to choose, right? So you feel like the the choice is so important and so critical. I'm not really sure what the answer to that is because I certainly spent my whole life trying to be something particular, several things particular, you know, and now I'm sort of relieved not to be thinking about things that way. It's a tremendous pressure Mm. Like I like that Scott, our our colleague at Ishta, just got a chance to to act again after pretty much saying, "Eh, I'm done with that." <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it it's okay, it's still in you, and the universe will give you opportunities for that if that's the mm. right thing, and this was the <clears throat> right thing. Hmm. Just like I'm doing I- kirtan, like I'm I'm getting to pick up my bass and play some as a part of yoga. How weird. And I got to go to teach yoga as a part of gaming. How weird. Right. Yeah, that's a really, what I heard, just to step back into what you, just to reiterate what you said, and what I heard from that was that it's interesting to note that as Americans, because you and I are both Americans, or Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that we were born into a culture where the social, the cultural expectation is that land of the free, home of the brave, you will pursue your individual passion as your career. And that that is distinct from what most ancient yogis were experiencing when they began practicing these tools. And so it's only natural, actually, that 
not natural, it's, it, or uh, it seems to be in line that a lot of Americans imbue yoga with the frequency of these tools will help you to manifest your, uh, your life's passion as your career, because that is a shared belief that we have culturally. But um, I would agree with, uh, I, I would say that my, at least my experience with these tools has been similar to yours, that it's, it's not specifically that the tools have pointed me toward um, exalted career in theater or, in, or even in yoga or in tech. It's more like uh, it's softened the grip of that shared American belief. And instead, I sometimes get to be delighted by the fact that I sing in my yoga classes and that's fun um, and people seem to appreciate. Or I um, I get to teach meditation at my tech job. And how wonderful and interesting is that unfolding of that. Um, but it makes me, it, it fills me with a little bit of uh, giggles to think about how um, even yoga itself as a practice as, or a set of tools is not um, completely benign or I, I can't think of the right word, but completely, we can't assume that our pursuit of yoga itself is not going to be become a reflection of our our held beliefs. Um, I think it's yeah. likely that it will. It's likely that it will, yeah. And then the, it's the, pra the job of the practice to break you out of those beliefs. You know, and, and many people will first start by trying to be the great yoga teacher or the daily yoga practitioner, you know, and the get better at my practice and master this pose and that pose and the other pose like the Iyengar yoga uh, which has many many beautiful things and Iyengar was certainly a brilliant yogi you know it has levels you know like written down you are you're basic you're in mid, you're intermediate you're in advanced you know based on how well you accomplish these asana and you know, there's this, there's something for that in terms of tapas. Like if you don't have enough tapas, there would be some reason to have a system like that. Um, but you know, that like even groups within the culture have their own belief systems. Mm -hmm. So when we are ultimately I don't know, coming to terms with that notion of yourself is not the thing that's going to make or break reality, right? Your self, small s self, right? Then it starts to be like, oh, so what am I doing here? And that's what I think when it becomes really interesting. Totally. And not to toot our own te like our own teacher's horn and like our own lineage's horn, but one thing that I have always appreciated about Ishta is that no one tells you 
exactly what to do to be the best yogi you can be or whatever is it's is the self-reflective nature of it and the self uh and the ability to prescribe yourself the practice based on your own self-awareness and what you observe in your own practice um and that it changes that from what i've heard from all of you all of my teachers who uh have been doing this for a long time that it has there are new pieces that were, did not exist when you you trained with Al. Um, and I appreciate that. Al said to me recently to remember that we are tantricas and that our whole goal is to be able to walk back into life, to be deeper with life, thanks to these tools, not to renounce life um, in service of the tools. And um, I like that. And I was just smiling when you when you mentioned the thing about Iyengar and the levels and the need for tapas and how how planting that in the middle of New York City seems like maybe maybe not the system. <laughs> like the New Yorkers maybe have have a lot of that. Um, right. Yeah. That's a good distinction too, because. Um, it's useful, I think, also to remember that, like, in light of what people used to do in the past, that there would have been people in the past who, based on their family, would have gone to an ashram and lived their whole life studying and meditating and doing practices and learning puja, learning various ceremonies and this and that. And then Tantra came along and it had created this other thing, which is well, you can still do whatever your job is and be doing this practice at the same time that helps you understand who you are, little self and capital S self. And in doing that, you know, it does sort of, um, sort of makes no matter what you do, okay. It's like, it, it, like the, the career part of it, yeah, sure, whatever whatever your career successes are, fine, you're going to have a 40-year career, 50-year career, and, you know, it's going to make some changes. But like getting too, too wound up in that part and not doing what the practice teaches you, will it will become obvious you're imbalanced, right? The practice helps you balance out work and not work to know that you are not just your work right? and, and probably to help you in your work as well. Like I can't imagine that Elon Musk has a big yoga practice. <laughs> maybe, maybe he does. And that's just what he's working on right now is how to blow up his personality, <laughs> get rid of all his wealth. But, <sighs> but it seems to me like that's, more like along the lines of hubris. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rajas, maybe? Yeah. Ra you know, ra Rajas in terms of like, um, like Rajasic Pitta, like mm. what I want is what's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make it so. <clears throat> that 
what you just described about that transition of kind of the renunciate version of yoga, people leaving their families, leaving the, the societies that they were in to go study yoga philosophy and practices, um, and the arrival of Tantra and this transition of the dispersal of these teachings into the lives of people who were con- going to continue to live the lives that they had been walking before. Um, <clears throat> first of all, in my mind, paints this picture of consciousness, of of like awareness of little self and big self and the experience of that wanting to make its way into a broader spectrum of experiences. Um, and it also reminds me of a conversation about the distinction between morality and consciousness, like, or, and the teachings of consciousness or the pursuit of consciousness that what you said about how like the practice or what I heard, and I'm not sure if this is exactly what you said, so you can correct me if that's wrong, but that it's nice to remember, or it's good to remember that sometimes some of the practices were developed during a time when we just were not living the way that we are living now. Um, and I think that, that you can smell that a bit amongst pursuers of consciousness. You can smell the distinction between morality, which I would say is when spiritual institutions or people are, are promoting a specific lifestyle in the name of consciousness or pursuing consciousness versus teaching tools to experience consciousness without, without promoting a specific lifestyle and allowing people to kind of live their own lifestyle. Um, and hmm, I really appreciated Wendy, Wendy Newman's work uh, on the Yoga Sutras and her explanations about the Yamas and the Niyamas because I feel like she is so careful and precise about her perspective and Al's perspective and about on the fact that the Yams and the Yams are not moral laws or but instead they are tools that point us toward an experience of consciousness. Right. Um and so I was reminded of that by what you said about it's like, yeah, these tools are living and breathing. And and um, it's exciting to think that they will continue to change as we change. <laughs> yeah, we're changing them. You know, I mean, that's that's something also to remember that as we are conscious, like to to the book you brought up, you know, as we are conscious uh, of our actions, like we have the intention to do these actions as a way to live and taking the morality out of the word righteously. Like we're, we're choosing what we believe is right for the circumstance. Then we are creating the world, right? Like whatever, everything that we do is creating this world, this uh, world of, duality and we can 
be creating it in a slipshod way or it can be creating it with beauty and whatever it is that we're doing, that's true. You can be unconscious as you wash dishes. You can be present as you wash dishes. You can be unconscious when you're folding up your clothes or not. Marie Kondo made a whole industry out of that, right? And, and it's very valid, you know, and I really appreciate it when I've got to see her show a couple times, you know, that she brings, she comes at it from a spiritual practice, you know, of, of honoring and the space you're in and the, the objects that you're in and the home that you live in, that this, these are things that deserve respect and honor and have their own feelings basically, right? So you're trying to find what is the way this shirt wants to be folded <laughs> and, and place it in a proper receptacle, you know? Yeah. I love, I, I think, yeah. I was going to say, I love that practice. I do, I Marie Kondo my apartment usually once a year. Yeah. It's very satisfying. Yeah, yeah. I, it is very satisfying. I cut you off. Were you going to say, share something else? Uh, um, I was going to talk about a student um, who's... Uh, like a fashion stylist, you know, and she was talking about that too. She, you know, like a little bit about your treating, even your clothes, treating them with respect. You know, that we, we think of things, so many things as throwaway. But she was thinking about, you know, your clothing as having this value to your person, similar to your food that you buy has a value to your person. You don't walk into your house and just throw your groceries on the floor, <laughs> you know? But so often that's what we do with our clothes, you know? Mm. Just take them off and throw them on the floor or whatever. It's like, it's just interesting to let everything be um, like a notch more, and precious is the, raw, the far side of it, but valuable is the good side of it. Mm. It's just kind of interesting to think of things in that way, nurturing relationships, nurturing the objects that you decide you're going to have around you, not being precious about things you don't need, you know, assigning things their right value, which comes around to Sankalpa again. Mm -hmm. Like what do you desire that's helpful mm -hmm. for working out your karma? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about how this sounds to me like mindful, my, like imbuing things with mindfulness. And so then I was, I always, whenever I think of the term mindful, I always think about, about Ishta meditation and the distinction between mindfulness and Samyama. <laughs> or, or, mm -hmm. And... Um, and so I think that what, where, where my brain went was, I think where I'm at right now in my practice is that I, hmm. 
sometimes even in living when I'm trying to be conscious of the things that I'm doing or the clothes I'm wearing or the way I'm engaging in my relationships. I'm trying to bring focus, trying to bring clarity and consciousness to those moments. Sometimes that isn't enough. (laughs) And, And I do find myself more and more in life closing my eyes and stopping engaging with life for a moment, like whether it be stepping away from a conversation or put it, closing my laptop for work, closing my eyes, going first to a mindful place in the middle of my head, but then letting go to be in that place beyond that holding on of mindfulness because sometimes being mindful, being focused isn't enough. There's like, it's like there's not enough resource or there's not enough um, space. Um, And, and I think, yeah, having the opportunity or I'm grateful for having um, now a practice of seeing, being able to be aware even that, that there might be an inner resource that is tapped out and that there is another place to pick up some of the resource. Yeah. I think that mindfulness is a training and it's a tuning of the tuning up of the system. And I think that's why so much of the research points at the health benefits. You know, what are the benefits of mindfulness practice? And those benefits are now well documented, right? It it sets the brain up in a different state and the relationships in the brain are different. The preconception, the endless chatter, those things dwindle, the quiet, the, you know, the, the mode that's more um, ready in the moment, non-judging, that's more there, right? So then, great. Now, what do you do with that, right? So it's to me, that's, that's, what you just described so beautifully, you know, it's like you take yourself out of pre, um, uh, what's the word, um, you know, being totally wrapped up in the vritti, to use the Sanskrit word, the the endless, you know, default mode chatter and all of that stuff, and you instead say, okay, I need some resource, I need some insight, I need some, um, I need some tapping into what I am so that I can come back to this problem with perspective. And sometimes you get answers and sometimes you just get perspective, right? And then the answers can come in other ways perhaps by some choice you make that aligns you with the right answer through a person or through a training or through a podcast. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That's my hope. That aligns with some people through a podcast. (laughs) I think it does. It's been my experience that it does. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Well, um, perhaps that's a good place to pause for pause our conversation for now that um 
this notion of some kalpa is like it's very lovely if you can do a practice that does it, but I think it's enough to kind of do what you were just describing, like to take a moment and step back from whatever you're engrossed in and allow yourself to let some of that inspiration and insight through, you know. So if you have a regular practice, <clears throat> it's enough as a New Year's resolution to just do your practice, you know. It's really like all you can do. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're in, a, we're in a culture that keeps selling systems. But really all you can do is do your practice and then what comes from the practice comes from the practice. That's the I no effort part. <laughs> I cannot make the effort for that other part. Mm -hmm. And I think we get, you know, part of the culture also is because we're trying to succeed in this level that you were talking about, you know, in this um, way the culture is telling us to find and make a career out of our passion and whatnot. You know, a lot of people are who have somehow done that, stumbled upon or through their own practice came up with that. They're very quick to say, I now know how to do it, right? Forgetting that they either stumbled upon it or they just did a practice that was right for them in order to get there, right? So we each have to find our own practice and do that practice, then you have your ishta devata, the, your own personal way into seeing the light, right? Mm. So that's my group samkapa, that we all see the light. I love that. Can we plug your class too? Sure. I feel like if you're in a place also, say you do have a practice or you're building your practice, and you're not yet at the place where you feel uh, that you're able to do the letting go part. It's often really nice to have a teacher who knows a bunch of tools that you can use and meditate with a group. And there's just something about meditating with a group sometimes that helps you to do the letting go. Um, so Peter teaches awesome meditation classes. 9.45 on Saturday and I think 11 on Tuesdays. No, Thursdays. On Thursdays. Yeah. yeah, both online and in person in New York City. New York City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Stephen. And Stephen teaches as well. Tell us your times. I teach at 7.30 a.m. on Tuesdays and 6 p.m. right now, restorative on Sundays. Um, but those are only in person. You got to come in person yeah, if you want. Yeah, New York City. So get book your plane fare now. <laughs> Book your plane right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless you're in New York City. Unless you're it's the only place to be. <laughs> yeah, the greatest city in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Stephen. Well, happy New Year and happy almost Chinese New Year. Year of the Thank rabbit. Thank you. Gong hei fa choi, my family would say. There you go. Happy New Year. Yay. All right. Thanks, I heard, I don't know if it's true, but Ronnie Cheng says that means give me money. Or may mm. you have lots of money. Yes, I love that comedy special. Yeah. I love Ronnie Cheng. Yeah. And it totally does. It, I mean, all of those salutations for New Year's means 
means good fortune, good fortune, lots of gold. Yeah. Give me my envelope. It means like <laughs> that kind of thing. It's there. They know what their Sankalpa That's is right. culturally. That's right. <laughs> you know, and, and like Maslow said it too. It's like, if you can get stable in the earth element, then you can take care of the rest of it, right? You start working on the rest. But if you're not stable, it's very hard to take care of the rest. It can be done. It's just a balancing act. Mm. Yeah. So that's also what where the tantricas went. You know, it's like take care of being a householder. You know, ha have a stable household. But that's just your base. Now, pursue what's key. Hmm. Mm. Beautiful. Namaste, Stephen. <laughs> Namaste, Peter. Thank you so you much. Bet. Please support Peter's podcast on patreon.com. Review the podcast. And I'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Namaste. Namaste.